It's Sunday, you're at Southfield, and it's good to have you home. Good to hear you all talking and enjoying being with each other. Uh, got a fun day ahead. Got some baptisms coming, and uh, we do immersion, but it looks like God is trying to do an example with sprinkling too, <laughs> so uh, we're going we're gonna to have some fun. Got, um, I, there were, I think, seven or eight people planning on going. A few are waiting until next week to get into some sunshine, but uh, anyway, you were gone for the week. You went and had some fun in North Carolina. What was that like? Well, I was gone for longer than a week. Yeah. And I was just talking with, with Bob about this. Um, I'm, I'm officially an old, I'm an old person. I got four days into this trip and I was like, I'm ready to go home. I'm going to be in my own bed. I want my own pillow. I want to set the air conditioning. I was like, man, I'm just a grumpy old loser. But there were still seven more days attached to this trip. So yeah, it was very fun. Uh, I'm actually going to be talking about this a little bit, but I got to visit a friend who lives in downtown Nashville, 4th of July, I got to, to watch fireworks there. Again, I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but then, yeah, I got to spend some time in Charlotte, North Carolina, with my sister-in-law and brother-in-law, whose, uh, my brother-in-law was born in Australia. His parents, uh, because of Australia's lockdown, they weren't allowed to come and visit. So they now have loosened restrictions. They were able to come, and now they're staying for like six weeks. So okay. they, they got here at the beginning of July, leaving in the middle of August. His brother's coming over too. So it was, it was cool to be able to spend time with them. And we shot down to Charleston, um, Charleston, South Carolina. And again, the old in me, um, I, I loved Charleston because it was old. Everything there. You're walking around <laughs> like, this building was built in 1820? How is it still up? Wow. Um, got to go to Fort Sumter and a lot of, a lot of cool stuff, um, a lot of cool his history in, in Charleston. So... Yeah, but we're home, and I can breathe. How was driving? It was n not bad, except when, when you take your truck, and it, that trip, you, you realize, I'm going to have to stop three times for gas along the way. Like, I might as well just bought a second house while I was in Charleston <laughs> and just stayed there. But, yeah. In inflation is nipping a bit, and yet, having said that, you talk about the 4th of July, and it did not seem to hurt fireworks one bit. Not even a little. I mean, I was amazed yeah. at, my goodness, it was like a war zone in our neighborhood. The, the, the fog, everything else, with all the, all the fireworks yeah. going off. And talked to a guy one day, he said his brother-in-law spent 5,000 bucks on fireworks. <laughs> I'm like, I could have used that money <laughs> for gas. But anyway, uh, you know, I, it's crazy, just crazy. And one yesterday we were talking to, we were at a uh, going away party for, um, for Rachel and Stephen, and uh, they, they apparently had a little firework thing going on down at the river, and they kept the trailer a little too close to where the fireworks were going off, and a firework went into the trailer, not Hersburgers, the the, the people doing this who will remain nameless because now they're hiding from the law. But anyway, it went in and the trailer blew up and oh my goodness, crazy. So yeah, yeah, just kind of stay in your house. <laughs> <laughs> nutty, nutty, nutty stuff. A good time. So, well, yeah, I feel like I haven't talked to you for a while. What else have we missed out on? Uh, not a whole lot that I can mention before we get going. All right. So. Gr Griffey did go with you, which is kind of fun. Yeah, and I think that's another reason I wanted to be home. I mean, listen, people, if you go on vacation, have someone watch your dog. <laughs> like, that's not vacation. <laughs> but, but, I'm, but, but he's fun. I'm he, sure I he love loved him. It. He was I'm great. Sure he, loved he, it. he did very well, except for the four days that he decided, 
I don't feel like I can go to the bathroom in this city, and we're just going to hold it until we're home. So, not vacation. <laughs> okay, there you go. Well, speaking of, I, I don't even know what to say. Um, you got your update yesterday, and when that came out, one of the things on there is we're, we're going through this series in 2 Timothy, digging into that letter, four, four chapters, and we've been asking you to go ahead and do a listen of that. So listening to the four chapters, letting it soak in, just like a summer rain, just letting it soak into our souls. Uh, Kim tried the link that I had given her, and apparently it just kind of went off to a, a generic dwell site. And so I've refreshed that link. So hopefully now it will get you straight to where you need to go. And a couple things to note when, when you get to dwell, um, if there's, there's, a, there's a little link at the bottom called voices. And the voices, they give you different voices. So you can hear girl voices, boy voices, foreign voices, all kinds of, all kinds of different voices. But the voices are also tied to the versions so if you have a preferred version of the Bible, it doesn't have a link that says version. It has one that says voices. So go to voices. You'll find your favorite version. And then there's another one called music where you can actually choose the background music you want playing while you're doing your listen. So continue to do that listening. Uh, it's going to be really good. We've got baptisms today as well as next week. The deal on today, I've had a few people already holding off to next week because they're looking forward to, you know, sunny and warm and that sort of thing. But we definitely have some, some very tough people too, like, like Thayer Larson and Brett Middleton that are saying, I don't care if it's lightning, we're doing this thing. So, so uh, we're going to go ahead and do that after the second service, 11th Technically, 11.45 is when we're saying we'll begin because we realize people have invited people who won't necessarily be coming to the service but will show up at the river. So though you're the first service, if you want to show up at 11.45, the link we've given you takes you to the, the Four Rivers uh, campus. But if, I, but if I use the link that they provide, it takes you to the, to the building, which is not where we do the baptism. So actually, the link that we provided says Four Rivers Kayak. And, and basically, that's, that's where the, the launch, kayak yeah. launch is, mm -hmm. and that's where we do our baptism. So, so you'll, want, you'll, want to, you'll want to get that. Tying in with that, uh, yesterday I sent out a reminder that Revive was going to have a hangout over at Shannon Junior High. We're going to do like a little home run derby with some softballs and throw frisbee around. That is still on, uh, but we are going to do that after baptism. So I know it said 12 to 2. I, I was kind of building that in. Would love for everybody to go over, participate in watching uh, the the people who are getting baptized declare their faith, and then we'll head over. There's plenty of time if you need to go, you know, grab McDonald's or Subway or whatever, and meet us over there. It's just going to be a generic hangout until about two unless there's lightning. I have learned in my many years that holding metal bats when lightning is <laughs> crashing from the sky is not a good idea. Not the best um, idea. So not yeah, the best so idea. outside of that, um, that's, yeah, 12 to 2 today after the baptisms. I'm just realizing, so I, I, I'm, I redid this, and having said that, that's last week's. Lost and found is long since gone, okay? So uh, this is last week's update. But the other thing was that 
Um, enjoying, a lot of you really enjoy engaging in worship through music. It's a, it's, it's a real spiritual pathway for you. And our team is putting together uh, a worship night. So this will be Saturday, July 30th at 7 o'clock, an hour of just, of just singing together. And a lot of what we're going to be doing, they've been kind of previewing a bit uh, throughout, throughout this, uh, this season. So you want to come, be a part of that night, and just uh, get, get lost in a, in a time of worship. That'll be, that'll be incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only other thing I had to mention was, this, this was kind of fun. So last week, after the services are all done, I think it was somewhere around 2 in the afternoon, we got a, a, a note from somebody saying, hey, you know, I, I went on the video, and there was image, but there was no sound. And so we went and checked, and sure enough, there was image and there was no sound. From time to time, tech stuff happens, especially with the streaming. You would be really helpful to us if you, know, if you turn on the service and there's no sound or no picture or, or you're looking at the image and saying, that's not our church or whatever, um, to just go ahead. And, I mean, you could literally directly call the church, 815-290-9595. You can text us and let us know that it's not there. Here's the part that I'm still trying to process. We actually got likes for last week, and so I'm trying to figure out... Did they like that they couldn't hear me? I, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure what exactly that meant, how to take that. I'm going to counseling. Hopefully, I'll get over it. But um, anyway, just, just to let you know, you know, obviously, the, the, the approach, our approach with, with video in particular has not been to put out you know, some production that's meant to go to TV or something like that. This is for the sake of those who, who are not able to engage with us on a Sunday morning. They're on a trip or they're sick that day. And so... Um, we're doing our best with that. And having said that, from time to time, something will happen and you can actually join in and be part of the production team by simply letting us know, hey, I, you know, I can't hear or what's going on there. And just to share my personal experience from last week, when I turned it on, there was no sound. I figured it was my, on my end. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ah, I'll just watch it later. And then when I went to go watch it later, we were actually listening or trying to listen to it on our drive down to, uh, to Charleston. It's a three-hour drive. I'm like, it's perfect. Turned it on. And I was ready to throw my phone out the window because I still thought it was me. And then we checked Riley's phone. It's not working. So even if you think it's you, to go ahead and text in, call, whatever, and let us know like, hey, I don't know if I'm doing something wrong, but it doesn't seem to be working right because it, it very well could be a, a, quick, a quick switch in the back that helps us get it out to everybody. Yeah. So let me pray, and then we're looking forward to hearing about the spirit, the spirit of love today. Dear God, we, we pray uh, as we look into your word today, and once again, uh, hear those words from Paul uh, given to Timothy to fan into flame the gift God has given you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Lord, we know Uh, that you're calling us to be people of courage, to speak the truth, to stand for the truth, to live in conviction. We understand that. And it it would be easy to hear courage and power and not temper that with, with this second part of the spirit you've given us, which is the spirit of love. That truth and love always go hand in hand. Power and courage always are combined with the spirit of love. And that, in part, is what gives us the privilege of showing off Jesus to the world because there is nobody who loved better or deeper or more richly than the Son of God who died for us that we might have eternal life. 
So we pray this morning as, as Brian teaches us that we will be open to hearing uh, whatever it is you have to say to us, that we'll receive it from your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, uh, as you know, I was not able to hear everything last week. So if I repeat word for word everything that happened, uh, my apologies. No. Um, as we've been going throughout the summer, we've been doing this deep dive into this uh, letter of Second Timothy. And it was something that, that came to me um, as I was doing some devotional reading and trying to plan for Green Lake, trying to find a passage, a core passage, a theme for the week. How would it play out? How would it work? Because um, you always try and find something different, something special, and something that, frankly, will span four days when you are looking to put together a, a teaching schedule. And as, the, as I came across this passage, it just it smacked me in the face right where I was at in that time in May. Again, our main passage. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control or self-discipline. Last week, while I couldn't hear, I could see that we were encouraged to do three very specific things. To see with spirit-filled eyes, to speak with spirit-filled truth, and stand with spirit-filled conviction. As you're going to see these three topics, these three pieces of the Spirit that God gives us, they're all intertwined. They all wrap together. So as we talk about the Spirit of love today, you're going to hear elements of the Spirit of power, and you may even get a glimpse into what we're talking about next week with um, self-discipline. I also want to give you the, the heads up. If you're anything like me, when, there are when somebody's being repetitive or reading something that is repetitive— I have a really bad character flaw, and I, I'm like, just get it done. Come on, we get it. You've made the point. You've said it over and over and over again. Can we just get to the end and like, just tell me what to do with this? I'm going to encourage you to fight that character flaw if you're anything like me today, because we're going to be hearing some repetitive circling talk as we look at another passage that has to do with the spirit of love that God's given us. So fight back against that. Um, what I want to do before we even get started is set the scene for where we're at in this, um, in this letter. The years A.D. 67 or thereabouts, uh, Rome has been burned. Three years prior in A.D. 64, um, we see Rome burned to the ground. Nero is leading things, and there are all kinds of theories that Nero actually burnt Rome to the ground himself because he didn't like the layout of the place. He wanted more power, more control, and he had a vision that was different than the current layout for Rome. Now, the, it is debunkable. We don't really know. It doesn't really matter, because the, the thing that does matter is that Nero, whether he started the fires or not, in 67, started blaming Christians for the fire. So Nero took it upon himself to go chastising and chasing and hunting down Christians, accusing them by the spreading of the gospel. They, they were trying to work against the Roman government, against Nero, undermine his power, and as a part of that, burn down Rome. So they were, they were blaming him or blaming Christians for this. Therefore, at this moment in history, it is incredibly dangerous to be known as a Christian, let alone profess your faith. So when we talked a few weeks ago about the power that 
that the Spirit gives us. This is an incredibly scary time to be powerful and to live into a spirit of power. It's a really difficult time to, to live in love. And as we look here at our other passage today, I want to encourage you to remember that, that peace, that people are actually being accused of burning down Rome and trying to undermine this evil, evil man, Nero, um, in the process. So we just celebrated the 4th of July, as we heard um, a couple weeks ago, and I, as I've already said, got to be in Nashville for those fireworks. My friend and I walked from his apartment down onto Broadway Street, and we're standing in the middle of Broadway at 2nd Avenue, which is like right close to the river. They had a big concert, and then after the concert ended, Nashville put on what they claimed was the biggest fireworks show ever, at least this year in Nashville. Um, So they have a a symphony, a Nashville symphony that is phenomenal. And they set a 30-minute fireworks show to the Nashville symphony, which blew me away. I was really annoying my friend Michael because I kept saying, I'm like, they can't practice this. Like, they can't spend all this money on fire. How do they get this down? Like, so I'm talking through the logistics of it. He's like, shut up, watch the fireworks. It was amazing to watch. As all these fireworks are, are going off and they've got all these songs going. It's perfectly set. And again, 30 minutes is a long time. And everybody's standing there in the blazing heat of Nashville, middle of the street. It was actually broadcast on CMT. Um, so that, that was a, a, a big deal. It was a lot of fun um, to, to be a part of that celebration of our nation's independence. What I did not see there, thankfully, were these guys. Anybody know what those are? Those are Roman candles. They're awesome. They are so much fun to shoot at each other. I mean, the sky. I don't want to completely ruin Roman candles for you because these are some of my favorite things, like sparklers, nah. Roman candles, when you start standing there, like, you know, casting spells like Harry Potter. Um, It is, it's a lot, they're a lot of fun to use. However, they actually have a really dark, nasty history. You see, as we were talking about Nero blaming the Christians for burning down Rome, what he would do with them when he found, found them and captured them, he would actually bring them to his Roman court and turn them into a Roman candle. What he would do um, as in this torture mechanism is he would coat their bodies in pitch, which is like a tar, oil, wax, and other flammable things. He'd put them up onto a post, and at these grand parties that he would hold in his royal courts, he would light these Christians on fire to serve as the lighting for the parties. To think about that is horrific. It's horrific in every sense of the term, and I still, like, I get emotional thinking about these people that were burned alive while people were partying, the last thing that they saw, because they believed in Jesus, were people jeering and cheering and having a great time while they were literally burned alive for their faith. It's unbelievable. Welcome back, Brian, right? I'm bringing the light to the room. No, but it's, it's under these circumstances, under these, in these times that Paul is sitting in prison writing this letter. He knows this is it. This is the end. Nero is the worst ruler that has ever been during Paul's lifetime, and he's not making it out of prison. He he knows, I may very well become one of these Roman candles. So it's with this desperation, this urge, that he wants to encourage Timothy, who's in Ephesus, 
to continue what he's doing, the work, the, the preaching, and the pastoring that he's been doing, which is really, really difficult to do when you know that you are under threat, not just of, of emotional persecution, but literal chains and death. There are many false teachers that Paul knows that he's fighting against too at this time, which is another reason he's, he's writing to Timothy saying, Timothy, you have to keep this on the straight and narrow. You cannot allow these false teachers to take the gospel and twist it and work it for their own good. No, you need to stay strong in the spirit. Now's the time for courage, Paul would say. And in that courage, that means facing persecution without altering the message at all. It doesn't matter what the end of your life looks like as long as you have done everything to the power and the glory of God. Paul gives this strong argument to, to Timothy to keep going because he knows that that temptation is riding in the back of his brain. Timothy wants to be done. It's too much. The job is too, is too tall. Her task is too tall. And if Paul's not there to guide him, then I, I, he's timid. He's, he's not feeling like this leader that, that Paul was. So that's why Paul, in this moment, says, fan into flame the Spirit of God. So again, I want, I want you to have that context as we enter in today. And I want to ask you a question as we get started. I want to ask the question, what drives you? What, what pushes you? What gets you up in the morning? What makes you want to keep going? What, what do you do the things you do for? And yes, we could all give the churchy answers. Well, I do what I do because Jesus, read your Bible, pray. Like, no, I, I want to know seriously, what drives you? What pushes you to go on, to get out of bed every morning and go and do what you do, whether that's work or school or play or vacation or whatever? What makes you get up and do the things that you do? I think if you ask people on the street, uh, I took my, my own internal poll of people on the street, and the answers that they gave, <laughs> the answers that they gave included material urges, money and power. They included survival. The, the real fears that have been swirling around us with, with health-related issues and the constant need for longevity in life, people pushing to live as long as they possibly can just to grip on to those last few breaths, or, or even vengeance. Some people are just driven by anger and hatred and a need, an incessant need for revenge on the people that they feel have wronged them. Those are all negatives, but on the flip side... I think that there would be other people who would say, well, I, I do what I do for the love of my country. As we celebrate the, the birth of our nation on the 4th of July, there are people who have literally chosen to take up arms and go fight in the military to protect our country. It's the love of the country and what this country represents that drives them, that pushes them to do what they do. It could be a love of family. You get up and you go to work, not because it's your favorite place to be, but because you've got three kids at home and they've got to eat. So you've got to work long, hard hours to make sure that they have food on the table and that they're well taken care of. It could be even a love of self. Maybe, maybe there are people out there that would be willing to admit, I do what I do because I think I'm pretty stink good at it. And I don't think that anybody can do it as well as I can, so if nobody's going to do it, then I have to do it because I'm just the bee's knees. I'm the best. But I think that when we talk about the drive 
that God places in us, each and every one of us, I think one of the most powerful drives, or most powerful drivers, is love. Is love. The Bible tells us that. The Bible says mankind is made in the image of God. And what is God? God is love. Its pages are full of people driven by love, responding to love, and obeying God in love. So if Jesus is the primary subject of the Bible, well, the primary theme then could be love. In fact, the word love appears in the New Living Translation of the Bible 759 times. That's a lot of love. Let's look at a passage that mentions it just a few times. I challenge the the kids at Green Lake to keep track and try and count so when they blurt out their answer at the end of this, don't listen. They're cheating and they're spoilies. So if you want to try and follow along, best of luck. 1 John 4, 8 to 21 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take our sins. And this is where, again, if you're anything like me, fight that urge to just say, get to the end, because it's going to repeat. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God. Sorry. Live in, oh my goodness, it's gone, guys. Okay, God is love, and all who live, all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear. Because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. So if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we haven't seen? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love God. Their fellow believers. Anybody got the number? Close. 28. 28 times in 13 verses we see the word love. Two times a verse. That's good return on investment for love. Okay? A lot of love going on here. And there's so many different ways that we could break this down. There are a ton of different things, a ton of different angles. I mean, we could probably spend the next six preaching series just going through this set of verses and looking at each of the different directions we could go. 
But I'm going to try and get us to baptisms on time and stick to three points. This passage starts out with a very simple yet straightforward and powerful truth. God is love, and love flows from God. His love cannot change because he does not change. His love had no beginning, and it will never end. Because God is infinite, his love, too, is infinite. His love is pure and holy, and indeed, his love is incomprehensible. And yet, while incomprehensible, it is also knowable. Those seem like conflicting ideas, but when something is too big to be fully known, we can still understand a small piece. Have any of you ever seen the movie Marley and Me? I have an admission. I'm using an example from a movie that I've never seen, uh, but that's because before I had a dog, I was like, how could anybody watch a movie about a dog? Yet Homeward Bound was pretty cool. I'm like, this Marley and me, there's no way. You can't be that attached to an animal. Like, no, I'm not going to watch this movie. And then I got a dog. And now I'll never watch it because I'm like, how could anyone watch a movie that's so sad? So I'm in this conflicted space with Marley and me. But I do know enough about it uh, that, that I can talk to it a little bit. And I, I do want to share with you three instances. As I'm looking up clips on YouTube, the saddest ones pop up. The first is of a young boy in the movie. Um, he's coming home on the bus, and every single day, I mean every day, Marley, the dog, is sitting in the driveway waiting for the boy to get off the bus, tail wagging, just losing his mind. And there's a, there's a scene, a little clip, where the boy is sitting next to one of his friends, and they're coming up, and he's looking out the window, and the friend asks, is he there? And the little... The little boy says, of course he is. He's always there. He's always there. Guys, God is always there. They're coming to the, the end of the dog's life. And I'm going through this. Weird, I'm sorry, you're going to have to deal with it. I'm about to be a dad and all this. I can just, woo! <laughs> Man! Okay? They're coming to the end of the dog's life. And in this clip, Owen Wilson uh, in only the way that Owen Wilson, wow, can. <laughs> he, shares, he shares a sentiment, and he's, he's sitting, stroking the dog in its final days, and he says, you know what made you such an amazing dog? You loved us every moment, no matter what. And that's an amazing thing. Guys, God loves you every moment, no matter what. And that's an amazing thing, because we don't deserve it, but he does anyway. Why does he have this unconditional love for us? Well, first, because he made us, but I think it's also summed up again in one of the most defining quotes of this movie. Here's what it says. Again, think Owen Wilson. Wow. A dog has no use for fancy cars, big homes, or designer clothes. A waterlogged stick will do just fine. A dog doesn't care if you're rich or if you're poor, if you're clever or dull, if you're smart or dumb. Give him your heart, and he'll give you yours. How many people can you say that about? How many people can make you feel that rare and pure and special? How many people can make you feel that extraordinary? It's a great quote. It's a great line about a dog in a movie. 
But I think it's also true, if we spend the time to think about it, true about God. Now, God is not a dog. Dogs are not gods. Sorry, as much as I love Griffey, he will not be there with me in heaven. Uh, but I do think a, a dog's love, looking at a picture of a dog's love, is the perfect picture of God's love. We mentioned this when we came back, uh, but I'm, I'm going to add some images to the, to the story here. If I unlocked the back tailgate of my truck, and I put two things in there, one being my wife Riley on the left, and the other being my dog Griffey on the right, and I left them with ventilation, maybe some water, for five hours. And I came back five hours later, unlocked the door, popped it open. Which one of these would still have the smile on its face? (laughs) I can promise you it's not that thing right there. We'd have to flip that frown upside down, or that smile upside down into a frown. She would not be happy to see me, but Griffey would lose his mind. You're here! I I never thought I'd see you again! God will always be happy to see us, no matter how long we've been away. And why? Because he loves us. He loves us so much that he gave his spirit to abide in us, to live, abide, live in us. And he gave up his only son to die on a cross, a brutal death, an undeserved death, to pay for our sins in an act of pure love before we were saved. Now we have the inner experience of his love through the Holy Spirit that sustains us in our daily life. Love is a driver. So let's rework that Marley and me quote with us in mind from God's perspective. God has no use for fancy cars, big homes, or designer clothes. A repentant sinner will do just fine. God doesn't care if you're rich or if you're poor, if you're clever or you're dull, if you're smart or if you're dumb. Give him your heart and he'll give you his. God's kind of love is created in him and fulfilled in us through this spirit of love. Going back to verses 10 and 11, it says, This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent us. His son is a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love, brought us, his love is brought to full expression in us. The evidence that we are children of God is this divine love that dwells in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he lives in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and can now testify, just as the disciples did, that we have a Savior. Jesus promised that Holy Spirit would be in us forever. When we enter into that relationship with him, that is a permanent mark. That Spirit is in us. He gives us a piece of him. Romans 5.5 says, that it gives us a hope. This driver gives us a hope that will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loved us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. That's like getting God's DNA. I mean, that is so stinking cool to think about. How many of you, and you can look at each other, okay? How many of you think you look physically like your parents? There's, like, there's an element, you're like, yeah, I got my mom's nose got my dad's eyebrows. Actually, I got my grandpa's eyebrows. I have to trim them every week. (laughs) 
Okay, we, we, look, we look like the people that, that created us here on earth. And I'm praying that, that my kids look a whole lot more like that than they do like this. They don't need the widow's peak, okay? But this goes way deeper than looks. How many of you think that you act like your parents? Maybe you've said something or done something in a way that your parents did, and you're like, whew. They told me this would happen, and now it has. And I'm praying that my kids act a whole lot more like that than they act like this. With God's DNA, we have his love in us. And that is so stinking cool because that can't be stripped away. The evidence that this promise is true is seen in the fruit that the Holy Spirit bears in our lives. Again, the New Testament teaches over and over again that the fruit of his abiding love um, is there in our lives. It is evident. Galatians chapter 5, the first fruit of the Spirit is love. And that's on purpose. That is not by mistake. So God is love, and love flows from God. But what do we have to do with it, really? So I'm going to skip ahead. God abides in us so that his love can be perfected. When the Holy Spirit fills our hearts, we see each other just as Jesus sees them. There's no greater ministry for us, the believers in Christ, than to do and demonstrate and share the love of God in Jesus Christ to those who have never heard it or never seen it in action. Our hearts should break for the things that break, heart, that break God's heart. And sin devastates God. We shouldn't let it slide. We shouldn't turn a blind eye and act like it will go away. No, it should break our heart and we should be willing to step up and do something about it out of love, the love that is in us through God. Looking at the world around us, much like Paul, the, world that, uh, the way that Paul and Timothy looked at the world around them, there are more and more people living in defiant, outright, unadulterated sin directly in the face of God. The world hates him, although he still passionately loves the world. So how does an invisible God reveal himself to a world that hates him? He reveals himself in the transformed lives of us, the believers, his children. The lost world should look at us and be able to see the difference and ask, how can this be? How can you live this way in this time? Why are you different? What is it that gives you this quality of life? If you're not getting those questions, guys, it's time to make a change. We know the Spirit can abide in us, but when we abide in Christ, we will love one another, and the world will see the difference. 1 John 4, 8 says this, The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So if you aren't showing love and expressing love, and we all do that differently, but if you're not, then you don't know God. And that is a tough pill to swallow. Abiding in God's love is made possible by the Holy Spirit living in us. We've been through this. First John uh, 4.13 said that. But when you just act like you are living in love and sharing love, it's like moving into a neighborhood where you buy like the cheapest house in the richest neighborhood. You got a bunch of fancy neighbors, right? But that doesn't make you fancy. No, it takes some action on your part to buy the fancy things if you want to be fancy and learn how to talk like a fancy person if you want to be fancy. Now, I'm not saying go out there and be fancy, okay? That'd be weird and unbiblical. But, but it takes action. Love is not 
some hands-off thing that we just throw up peace signs and say, yeah, man, just be cool with everyone. No. Love requires action. God's love can be perfected in us if we're, you and me, sinners, saved by grace. God's love can be perfected in us if we are willing to act. Remember that the Holy Spirit is God and he has the power to create love in any way. He chose us to manifest that love. John 13, 34 and 35 says, now I'm giving you a new commandment. Do something. Love each other. Who that's hard to do when prices are rising, right? Who that's hard to do when your neighbor doesn't mow their lawn for a week or 10 days because they've been out of town? Me. My neighbors probably hate me right now. It's hard to do in the normal mundane areas of life. It's hard to do when your boss gives you a task at 449 and you're supposed to be out the door at 5, right? It's hard to do, but it says, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples and that you are not of this world. This proves that we're not only capable of loving, but we are some, it's something that we must do. Last analogy for you. I want you to think of God as a farmer, okay? He's a good farmer, John Deere, okay? Uh, God plants and harvests all the, the food for us. We're the next steps in line. You might be the wholesaler. You might be the grocer. You might be the chef or the cook. You might just be the person pulling it out of a box, slopping it in a pot, and feeding it to your kids. You're somewhere along that chain after God the farmer. And the reason that I give you levels is not so that you can like, think, like, hmm, I think I'm the chef. Maybe I'll be a wholesaler one day. No. But when God pours his love, his spirit of love, from the farm, when he makes things for you, it's not just for you to hang on to. It's for you to take and pass on. And the great thing is the farmer doesn't quit. The farmer doesn't say, well, that's all I got. No, the farmer keeps providing. Why does the farmer keep providing? So that you can keep spreading and you can keep providing. And maybe this time in your life, all it is, all that you can provide for is your family. That's the, that's the love quotient that you have. But maybe you can step out. Maybe it's time to turn into a chef or a grocer or a wholesaler. And you keep pouring into people that love that God has given you so it can be perfected and people can see that not just you are different, but the difference and the change that you make in other people's lives is significant and different. Galatians 3.5 says this, but just not talking about farms. It says, does God then who provides you with the Spirit work and works miracles among you, do it by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith. You see, exercising faith means that we're doing something. What exactly are we doing? We're using that love-producing power to fan the flame. It's time to fan the flame. There are many people who say they love God. There are many people who, you know, they got, got in the verse... Uh, reference their favorite one, or at least the first one they could find on Google. They've got it in the, the Instagram profile. They might even have it tattooed here on their arm, so they can be like, yeah, went to church once. Um, and if you do, like, I, that's, I'm not picking on anybody here, okay? Um, that's cool. I, like, I'm just not cool enough for tattoos. Um, but I think that there are far too many people that think that that's enough. Slap the fish bumper sticker on the back of the car, and off we go. I'm a Christian. No. No. That's not it. 1 Corinthians 13 cuts right to the core of this and reminds us what real love looks like. It says, If I could speak all languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, 
I'd be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all this knowledge, and if I, um, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I'd be nothing. And if I gave everything that I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, then I would have gained nothing. Paul says, listen up. You may think you're awesome and capable and well-meaning, but if you don't use the spirit of love that God has given you, then you're not fanning the flame at all. In fact, you're dousing it with buckets of water. So, we need to know the word. We also need to know the spirit. Our last verse here, John 7, 37, 38. Jesus cries out, and he says, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow from the rivers of living water. The next verse goes on to say that the river of life-giving water flowing out from us is the Holy Spirit. And surely, that's flowing out in love. Which means, again, that the Spirit produces love wherever Jesus is trusted, wherever Jesus is put on full display, whenever our faith is true and not just for show. So if you want to fan the flame of the Spirit's love in your life, then it's time to get to work. What drives you? Consider it. Think about it. Mull it over. Ruminate on it this week. What drives you? Because ultimately it should be this spirit of love, this love that he pours out over us. So I want to encourage you to follow through with the challenge this week. I want you to think about a way that you can show God's love today. I want you to think about another way that you can show God's love this week. And I don't just mean walking up and, hi, like just being nice. Think of an intentional way that you can make a difference in someone's life by showing them the love that you have in you as a believer. Who maybe needs to have God's love shown to them? Who do you not love yet? Who have you maybe not shown love to in a while that desperately needs to be shown the love of our Father in heaven? How might that love, like the farmer, expand beyond just the interactions that you have. Think about the impact you can have just by sharing the spirit of love. Let's pray. God, thank you for the inconceivable, unending, wonderful love that you have and that you show each being in your creation. Your word speaks of how you care for the sparrows and how very, your very nature is love. Thank you for demonstrating how much you love us by sending Jesus to die on the cross paying the price as the perfect substitute for our sins so that we may have right forgiveness and relationship with you. Please be with us and help us to feel the Holy Spirit. Help us to never forget the great love you have for us. You, and only you, gave us life, salvation, and hope for eternal life. So fill us continually with your Spirit so that we know you're there and that you love us. Thank you for the Bible, which is full of these reminders of your incredible nature. Help us finally to love others as you have loved us, to show the world your love. Keep our hearts and our focus always on you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
I don't want to mess things up for you too much this morning, but, you know, I grew up in a cat house. Had three cats in the course of my childhood. Boots was our first cat. Boots was allowed to be an outside cat. Kizzy was our second cat. Got him about the time Roots was popular, and uh, hence the name. And then uh, our final cat was Rocky. Rocky was named Rocky because he had six toes on both front paws. And that cat could literally pick up a green olive with its hand and pop it in his mouth, which, by the way, if you've never fed a cat a green olive, you've got to do that because it makes them wacky. So anyway, three cats. I learned a lot about animal love through cats. And what I've learned after getting to know Griffey is that those kinds of loves are very different, you know? Uh, Boots, Boots was an outside cat. Boots would disappear for days. Where's Boots? We don't know. He'll come back eventually. Uh, Kizzy and Rocky, they were great cats, but even them, we wouldn't let them go outside because of what ultimately happened to Boots. But um, so they became indoor cats, but even that, it'd be like, where are they? Where'd they go? And all you had to do was hit the can opener and boom, that cat would come running. There the cat was. And I'm not saying that cats aren't loving. They are when they feel like being loving. When they're in the mood to love, they'll love. But if they're not in the mood to love, you ain't going to get no love. Griffey? Griffey acts like I'm his favorite human in all the world. That dog sees me and he loses his mind. It's just, I'm like, me? Really? Are you, are you, me? So when, when Brian's teaching this at Green Lake, I'm like, holy cow. I've never thought of God being that excited about me. I've thought about him being a little bit more like Boots, Kizzy, and Rocky. And not a lot like Griffey, just losing his mind. And so this morning, whether you have cats, dogs, turtles, gerbils, worm farm, I don't know what you got. You don't have to imagine it. You can know it. When God sees you, when he thinks of you, he loses his mind. He loves you just because. Just because. Let's go to communion. Logically, for me, it's easy to see that when Paul tells Timothy that we don't live in a spirit of fear and timidity, that the opposite of fear and timidity would be a spirit of power and courage. Then I look at the next one. The spirit of timidity is wiped out by a spirit of love. And it's interesting to me that I don't look at timidity and love as kind of opposites. And yet, what did we read this morning in 1 John? Perfect love casts out fear. So often it is, it is really fear that's holding us back from being perfect lovers. And so God is calling us today to reflect the love that he's shown us. We love him not because of all the great things he does for us. We love him because he first loved us. And now we get a chance to go be reflectors of that love in our world so let's do that well. Let's love well this week. If you can make it back at 1145 to the river, we'd love to see you there for the baptisms. Every Sunday, we have the opportunity. If you need prayer, right down front here, somebody will be here to pray for you today. It's, uh, Diane will be here, but every Sunday, someone's here. You need prayer. Uh, come receive prayer. Enjoy your week.